0: Hey everybody! Welcome to the Theomatic Podcast. My name is Craig, and today I have Pastor Miles McPherson with me. I'm going to introduce him uh, formally in a second, but I want to let you know what we're doing on this series called Conversations in Contrast. If you can't tell, maybe by watching this or you're just listening, we're actually sitting right now in Shalom, the mobile podcast studio, <laughs> which sounds cool, but it's actually just a 20 foot long camper, and <laughs> my kids' bumps are don't, right over don't there.
1: Tell anybody, don't tell <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah. <laughs> we're, <laughs> we're in Hollywood. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> We are in Southern California right now in the San Diego region, and uh, we're on this tour from Seattle to San Diego talking to leaders, pastors, influencers about, of all things, pain. And so, Pastor Miles, and for anybody that's maybe new to this series, just a quick word on why we're doing that. Um, I do a lot of ministry online. Social media, of course, is huge in our world. It isn't going away, and there's a lot of great things about it, and there's a lot of bad things and a lot of just downright evil things about it. Uh, but what I found is that one unintentional side effect of social media is that we're teaching a generation to look at other people's lives through a filter. And so through this podcast, we're trying to hashtag fight the filters, and uh, we just felt compelled to pull back the curtain on pain. Maybe I'll put it to you like this: uh, like if somebody, maybe a 16-year-old, rolled up to King David when he's in his prime, and he's like, "Yeah, but look at you! You've got the king. The, you know, you're the king. You got the castle. You you have it all. Like obviously your life is perfect." <laughs> and David's like. Son you, son, you let me tell you about 15 years of <laughs> turmoil and living hell, mm. right? And so that's the concept of like, sometimes people that we look up to, we just don't know what's made that person. And so that's the point of the series, and we hope that you be encouraged. So Pastor Miles, if it's okay with you, the way that I'm introducing all my guests on this show is everybody that I'm interviewing is renowned and amazing and probably can have a uh, uh, big curated bio. Um, but what I'm what I'm trying to do is sort of introduce somebody just from a lens of, you and I have never met in person before, just from a lens of like, maybe the way a quote unquote normal person might see you. Maybe somebody in your congregation that's not like a close friend or somebody that sees you online. So uh, forgive me if I miss some things, but this is just genuinely as somebody that has known about you for years, but doesn't know much. And what I see and, uh, And the way that I think maybe people would normally see you, and then, and it's all great. And so then we could talk about whether what the reason for that greatness is is just because everything's been handed to you, or maybe because you've been through some stuff. So this is what I see I see a pastor who played in the NFL, for one. That's amazing. Now, I do know part of your struggle in life because you have been really vocal about it, and I've heard it before, I read it, is some issues with some drugs, which actually was the catalyst for you meeting Jesus. So I did know that. And uh, so you meet the Lord through this struggle with, with drugs. And I don't know if you're in the NFL at the time, but anyway, God gets a hold of your heart in a radical way and you eventually become a pastor and you plant what has become a massive multi-site church here in the San Diego area, but you're internationally known. You're an author, I think, maybe seven or eight books or something like that. And uh, so to me, it's like, you're you're one of the quote unquote, biggest pastors in our nation leading a massive church and it is just known all over the place man i can't even believe you know that you said yes to this so thank you um we're honored and humbled to even sit down with you but it's the type of man that normally somebody would look at and just be like man like how could they ever like this is amazing nfl big church like so successful so i guess my simple question to you is either man god's just really set you up and this has all been like on a silver platter for you or I'd imagine like most of the people I'm talking to, there was, there was a making of miles beyond just the, the drug like stuff that's happened in your life and, and, and maybe even has continued to happen. And so to whatever degree you feel comfortable in whatever type of area you want to take us, I want to ask a simple question. What's one of the hardest things that you've been through in your life and how did God get you through? And if you're comfortable talking about pain, struggle, sorrow, suffering, maybe even for some, a dark night of the soul, we'd love to hear it. How's that? (laughs) That's good. That's good. How you doing? I'm good. Good I'm good.
1: good. Uh, It's funny when you say silver platter. I mean, uh, it's comical, right, to think that. Uh, I think probably before I get to an incident, there have been countless incidences that have brought me to where I wanted to die. Or I wanted to you know I don't want I don't want to do this anymore God really I wasn't gonna kill myself I wasn't suicidal I'm. however I was like God can we just go like I I can't take this anymore even months months straight um and some of those things I can't really talk about because yeah. it, was, it was just just can't talk about and so when you ask me that question I'm thinking Man, which one huh do I talk about I will say this
0: can I ask real quick before you go on yeah those things that you're talking about is that before jesus or even times of oh, no, those, after jesus those, those were
1: or uh, in the last oh. seven years
0: oh yeah wow yeah the while l- being a big <laughs> while being a quote-unquote mega church pastor so oh, successful yeah. right oh yeah yeah.
1: yeah yeah i mean i i've i've come to church you know um preaching in my heart was like a million pounds you, you know, know, know you know you got i know what that you is. know just you, you get that right yeah And so, and there were a couple of times where two or three of these things were layered on top of each other. And, um, you know, just the devil saying to me and showing me how the end of your ministry and your reputation and everything is right here. And it had nothing to do with me. It was just things around me, Mm. but it was coming on me. And uh, in addition to family things, and, you know, I have a daughter who has been you know, fighting anxiety, depression, and suicide for 15 years, right? And she's, you know, sometimes my wife is so drained she can't walk up the stairs. And, you know, that's a daily thing for us to this day. Um, she has all kind of, she's a female joke. She has more things I can imagine. Really? My wife has a lot of uh, um, immune, a lot of health issues, but my daughter is, you know, sick and been through h- hospitals and multiple doctors and surgeries. That's not even the worst. So so when, I, when you ask me that question, I'm thinking, okay, which one and how do I parse this out? Um, I will say this mm. before I get into it. Um, will Smith was doing an interview a long time ago and I, I remember him, they were talking about how much he works out and mm-hmm. how much he runs. And he said running helped him develop the ability to tell his body no. Huh. And so all my life, since I was a little kid, I was playing sports and I had to tell my body no. Right. So I had to go work out. You know, there's no pain, no gain. That is a, a real thing. Yeah. If you are not willing to suffer, you are not going to get in shape, period. Mm-hmm. You may be talented, but it ain't going to last. And so I, all my life I've had uh, the the experience of saying, no, I just going to keep going, just keep going, keep going, keep going. And so pain and discomfort is part of growth. You can't right. grow without pain. Right. And so when people who are watching this see people who are successful, if they think that one, success is painless in of itself. <laughs> even when you get there. Right. Yeah. Exactly. It's not painless. Right. right. Being like you talk about King David, sitting in the palace is not painless. Right. Now he may have a little better pillow than someone sitting on a rock, but it's not painless. Getting there is not painless. Nothing is painless. Right. I shouldn't say nothing. No journey is painless. And so, when I was playing in the NFL or, you know, from Pop Warner to my high school, I had 18 kids on the senior team. My senior year, we had two games that canceled the season. <laughs> and then someone donated some money. We finished the season. I had no film other than one game my father took on the camera. I didn't get a scholarship. I went to Division three school, walked on, got drafted from that school. And the only reason I got drafted is because after my junior year, my coach made a flyer every week and faxed it to every NFL team. This is no. before email, before <laughs> cell phone. And so you talk about a struggle, you know, and in the, in the, the year before my senior year in a Division three school with 2,500 students, no one had ever gone to the NFL. I ripped my chest, pectoral muscle, bench, I couldn't even lift my arm. And so I'm going to my senior year talking about I'm going to the NFL from a Division three school. I can't even lift my hand, much less a pound. I had to work my way all the way back. Physically, that was probably the most painful thing I experienced. Physically. Wow, I didn't know that. So,
0: you f- did you finish your college career there? Yeah. You got drafted from a D three. Well, we went to D two my senior
1: year, but yes,
0: basically. Wow! Oh, I didn't know that.
1: So, okay. um, but I, you know, I was literally um, in the. I didn't. I didn't stay overnight in the hospital, but I was literally in rehab with lifting my hand. Than a half a pound, one pound, and in twelve months is an NFL draft. So, it, you know, it's like okay, you the, let's go, because you I don't have a day to waste. So I had to build my way all the way back to play that season. Wow. So all you know, there's there's always, God uses pain, throughout your whole life. Mm-hmm. Walking up a hill, you know, eating, you know, getting out of bed there's just a, is always a struggle against gravity. You're constantly working against gravity. Mm-hmm. So when people think, "I'm if I do this, I'm gonna be happy or or or, or a, a comfortable," that's never gonna happen. And it, it, when I watched my father die, I watched both my parents die, my father died first, and he took his last breath in front of me, both of my parents. I it hit me when I saw my father die that death is a trial, like it's ugly, mm-hmm. and I was like, "Dang." We all got to deal with that.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: We all got to deal with that. And you you could talk about not paying your bills. You could talk about being hungry. You could talk about getting your heart broke. But you got to deal with that. And it hit me because I saw it. And I was like, that's the ultimate trial. And luckily he was asleep with some people. And luckily it was a three-day from time he went into a coma to the time he died. But my mother had breast cancer and suffered and suffered and suffered. And so pain and... It is just, it's here. You're not going to avoid it. Don't think that more likes are going to make it go away. Right. Looking pretty is going to go away. Right. It, it ain't going to, you just got to, you got to be comfortable being uncomfortable. Right. Now, with all that said, <laughs> I think, the, you know, probably the most painful, and I don't know if I could even grade them. It was recently, two years ago, my wife got my wife got COVID. Now, I got COVID and she was paranoid because she has a lot of underlying issues. Oh, okay. She has she's autoimmune, she's got live, she got all this stuff. And she was so paranoid to get COVID, she got it. For 12 days, she was at the house. For nine of those days, she wanted to die. She was telling me, I can't do this. She was just suffering really bad. <laughs> suffering um, fever, high fever, mm-hmm. nausea, you know, stomach stuff, just stuff coming out of everybody. Yeah, And yeah. she was just, I can't do this, I can't do this. She couldn't sleep and um, uh, for 12 days. She said, if I have to do this a couple more days, I I just want to die. Now, that's how bad, now I'm watching this. And then I took her to the doctor, and the doctor said, you have to get her to the hospital right now. Mm -hmm. So there was a hospital about 15 minutes away. He said, don't go to that one. It's too far. (laughs) You have to go to the one that's one block, two blocks. You have to go to that one. And when I rolled, we took her in. her, Her oxygen was extremely low. And this is where a lot of people were dying from COVID. Right. putting people on ventilators, right. and her oxygen was uh, deathly low. Um, her pulse and her oxygen oxygenation was low.
0: At the, uh, Was it, it was it at the time where it was like, oh, if they go on a vent, it's, it's pretty much like you're not going to get them back, and 100%. so you probably had that fear going on. And Yeah,
1: she, yeah and, and I'll tell you about that in a minute. When she was taken into the hospital, she looked at me and said, am I going to die? And I didn't know if I'd see her again, because I couldn't go with her. Oh yeah, that's so, the time where you can't even go with her. So the doctor was on, a doctor was on the curb, because we were outside. Everything was being processed outside. I started yelling at the doctor. I said, I was crying. I wasn't yelling, I was crying, screaming. My name was Miles McPherson. I'm a pastor in San Diego. I've been helping people for 30 something years. In the I got. I'm thinking of everything I could tell this brother. Wow! <laughs> don't put my wife on the ventilator. Don't put my wife on the ventilator. So I am at this moment trying to save my life, wife's life. I do not trust anybody. I don't trust the whole medical system and all that stuff that the COVID wow. stuff. There's a whole another conversation. Yeah. Right. And I said, do not put my wife on the ventilator. And this is before we have been to the hospital, a different hospital, several times. And they were berating her because she didn't take the vaccine, and they were. I I, I was like getting ready to kill somebody. Right. And so I told them, "Do not do that." Well, they we put her in um in the in the parking lot every day for they talk all day every day for eight days. They told me she may not come out based on her numbers. She's gonna be there three weeks minimum, and she may die.
0: They, they just told you straight, they told me straight up. Well, so you they, just would come and drive and park there and look at her window and pray? or what? Well, I, I could, here's the thing. Her window
1: yeah, her the window. <laughs> window was on the second floor, and one day it was by the ambulances, so that's not where you parked. You had to walk over there. So where my car was, I, I wasn't over there. But one day I said, can I see you? And I came to the window. She couldn't even come to the window. Um, And so I was standing out there, and Uh, A nurse came out and she just walked right up to me like this close. And she said, um, uh, I thought she was going to tell me I had to leave because that area. uh, She said, I go to your church, how can I help you? I said, my wife's in that room right there. I start crying right now. I said, my wife's in that room. I want to see my wife. She said, my boyfriend is the, uh, he worked in the respiratory. So I said, can you get it to a window? This was a different day. She got it to the window. but. When I was in the in the parking lot, we have a, a ICU nurse in our church who's a director of the ICU of another hospital. And I said to her, "Here, are my wife's vitals," because I knew them. I was, I spoke to the nurse in the, my wife's hospital, seven o'clock, ten o'clock a.m., five o'clock, ten o'clock, four times a day. I would call during shift change. What happened today? Here's my wife. They take care of her. Let me know at, just every day.
0: So but I, but you would go every day, even though you're not getting in, just in just the park.
1: to be there. I the I I worked from that time in the parking lot,
0: <laughs> just to be near. Hey,
1: hey was, yeah, I was getting food, bringing food to her. They would take it up to her.
0: Oh, okay, you could do that. Good. Well, I couldn't go. Right, I would have but, to give me somebody. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. yeah. Uh, but I was just.
0: There. Was this in 2020 <clears throat> or 2021?
1: 2021. Okay. 2021. So, um, so I called my friend, my student mm-hmm. nurse, and here's her vitals, and she said um, she could die. We're seeing people with those vitals die, and she'll be in there three weeks minimum, and she may not come out. So that was so she's
0: she's kind of giving you what they said is what I would say, so you know that yeah she's saying
1: she, same now thing. her job is she's. Um, the supervising nurse, I don't know the proper title, but she's a supervisor of an ICU at another hospital. Yeah. And they had the most COVID deaths in San Diego. Mm-hmm. So she's seen this every day. Yeah. Uh, constantly people die. So she said, this is what you're dealing with. And they may put her on a ventilator. I get a call from the executive director, I mean the, the CEO of the hospital. Knew a friend, he knew a friend. He said, Miles, you told the doctor on the curb not to put a ventilator her on a ventilator. I said yes. I said I don't want my wife on the ventilator. And he said to me, "Well, that also means that if we have to resuscitate her, we won't. We'll just let her die." I didn't know that. So I'm in the I'm in the parking lot screaming, crying, telling him, "Do whatever you got to do. Do whatever you got to do." Because what am I? So. So she, uh, 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 they never had to put on a ventilator. Matter of fact, her, she came home at eight days. Her numbers, one night, and I I hope I can remember these numbers. Her oxygen was 86% saturation. And her, I I mean, I wish I I I knew these numbers. But it was deathly low. They took her down to get an X-ray, and the next morning she was normal, <laughs> uh, and and all of a sudden she got better. And now she came home after eight days, and um, you know she got better every day, and it was miraculous. Um, but that it was—I guess it was twenty days. Uh, she was you know she was dead baby, well she was right. very close to right. everybody was dying so right. it was like this is, right this is it right this is it so that was hard i mean that that was a uh and during that time everything was optional in my life what do you mean yeah i could uh, church was optional you know uh what i do with the rest of my life was optional not God, obviously. right? Um, but I was like, you know, I, I remember in the in the parking lot, I was talking to a friend and his wife, and I was crying, screaming, "What am I gonna do? Can't work? What you know? I, you know, during right this time, what am I gonna do? And if she dies, what am I gonna do? Right. So that was a um, that was a hard time. I mean, there's, you know. Our physical heart has different chambers, different areas, and I believe that about our emotional heart. You know, when you have your crush when you're 16 years old, you're, you know your heart is like that. But that's just that's the 16 year old crush area, right? Then when your mother dies is another part of your heart. Right? <laughs> then you have a baby. there's another part of your heart. You know, another feeling. So your wife, your spouse, dying, and we've been we've been together 43 years. When that happens, that's a whole nother, you know, your life flashes before you because you start thinking, I, when I met my wife and I was talking to someone the other day about this, we were talking about love because this young girl was talking to me about her and her boyfriend and all they got, should she marry him and should she break up and, and they're not perfect, you know, he's not perfect and I don't know if I want to deal with this the rest of my life. And I said, look, let me tell you something. When I married my wife, we're very opposite i did not know we were opposite until after we were long after we were married
0: did you guys get married after you became a follower of jesus yeah okay yeah, yeah. and i i didn't know she,
1: we were opposite okay until <laughs> we're like completely opposite right
0: <laughs> until after the wait. way after way after <laughs> there's right. a word for somebody i think that's a that's
1: a that's a scam yeah people oh He's, yeah because oh, yeah. the, the only way you can really stay married is if you're going to serve the other person so and yeah. we're married we, we get married to be holy not happy so yeah so but I told this girl just two days ago, I said, the reason I married her, I made a decision even when I met her, I want to take care of her. That was my job. And not that she doesn't take care of me because right. she takes care of me. Right. I mean, she gives me pills all day, and gives me <laughs> organic food to make sure I'm you know, healthy and got my blood right. So it's not like, like that. But I was like, it was a decision. It wasn't like some emotional thing. It's right. like, no, I'm making a decision that I'm gonna, I'm gonna survive for you. I'm gonna do everything yeah. I can. To you know, she grew up very poor. Um, she, her family didn't ha- ever have a car until she bought a car. She wow. Didn't, she didn't have a dishwasher in house. She grew up in a housing project. Getting, Where did y'all grow up at? She grew up in Connecticut. I grew up in New York. New, New, York, New York City. New York Long Island. Uh, okay. Yeah. So she she never had Christmas. Her Christmas was handy down downs and people giving her bags of clothes. Wow. She was very poor. And when I met her, I, and I went to that house, I, she was living on her own. But we went to where Mom still lived there, and I said, "No, I'm, you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna take care of you, and I and, and, and I'm gonna do, it. protect you, provide for you." So now she's dying, and I can't do that. And, and so now it's over. Not that, I, not that not blessed her, not that she has kids, and you know, it's just the first washer and dryer she ever had was when we bought one. You know, the first, you know, uh, Christmas tree where she could buy her old... Well, I guess in, when she got out of the project, she did, but she just had a very hard life. Yeah. And she doesn't have, she never met any of her grandparents. She never met cousins. It's just her mom and her brother. Her father was a knucklehead. And so my parents, my family was her family. It's the only family she had. Hmm. So all that flashes before you. You're yeah. going to die. You're like, okay, how'd you do? You, you know, so. That was a hard thing, and you know, church. um, I had already had COVID, and even when I had COVID, I was like, "Eh, I don't want to do anything anymore. I just want to sit in the corner. (laughs) And I'm not a sit in the corner. I'm like hyper. I'm like, I got energy for ninety people. Yeah. But COVID just, you know, I had fog, brain fog, which I never had before. Right. I would someone put a glass of water in front of me, and I would look at it for like two hours. I just couldn't really. uh, That was my COVID experience.
0: How long were your those symptoms like that for you while you're trying to lead this um, church, my, uh, lead a staff? <laughs> uh, I was probably
1: um, maybe six weeks. Wow! I stopped. I didn't go
0: to work. I mean, I was. like, oh, you... no, no,
1: no! I was like, I'll see y'all when I'm done. I didn't. <laughs> I didn't do. I didn't hardly do anything.
0: So you obviously have a good team of people yeah. that yeah. take the reins. Yeah. To... yeah, I was
1: like, I not I didn't preach for like two months, and I wow. was. I was in the bed for three weeks, two weeks. Something. Wow. So yeah, I wasn't. Even, yeah, I I was dumb. I I remember going on a three hour walk in my neighborhood, and I was like a zombie. And I was I picked up a stick. It's like a four foot stick, and I'm walking through my neighborhood, saying someone's gonna call the cops on me. I just <laughs> I looked like, <laughs> I was just like walking like this <laughs> with this big old stick in my head, like he's going to hit somebody. <laughs> and I was just, I was like, oh, it's a stick. I never had it. I have not walked around with a stick for a long time. <laughs> I was like, I was just like gone. <laughs> so after I came out of COVID, wow. then my wife got COVID after that. And she didn't get it from me because I was, hit. I got, I was, it went away and I was good. And she took care of me. She never got sick. Then she got it. Yeah. And so I was already conditioned, like, I don't want to do this anymore. I don't wanna do anything. And so then when she got it, I was like, Listen, none of y'all mean nothing to me. This is I, I gotta deal with this right here. Yeah. So that was that was hard. There are other things that were hard in different ways and for a lot longer periods of time. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, I, I had a couple of trials that went, you know, a year and two years and um but it was just different.
0: Yeah. Can I ask can I ask a question like this? Um and and maybe many of the listeners wouldn't understand this, but especially as pastors, there's so many people that we have a obligation to continue to honor, no matter what has happened. We felt pain and things like this. But maybe I could just ask you like this, just to maybe go a little different direction. As a, how long you been pastor?
1: Senior pastor, twenty three years. Yeah. Okay.
0: And you could be a senior. You could be a uh, any pastor for. 23 months, 23 weeks, and have gone through stuff. I just, as somebody that's been a pastor, I know that's how it is. So I'm sure that you could tell us a 100 stories of, of painful things that you've been through leading people. So whether or not you want to tell any of the stories or, or tell any of the details, that's up to you. But my question is, how, how do you balance continuing to lead in faith in hope. You got to preach. Sometimes we got to preach. And like what's happening in my heart and in the, at home is like, I don't want to preach. Like I'm to have to put faith on my face when it's not there. Like, so how have you learned to continue to be a leader? Because I know that there's a ton of different vocations and they all have their own challenges and things like this, but there's just something unique about being a, a pastor. And it carries a very our phone, we're never really off the clock, not just physically, and anybody can call any time, but just the weight that a real shepherd feels on their heart and their mind for the, for the work all the time. So whether it was the season where your wife was going through this or any other season to do with your family or friends or something going on at church, how have you learned to keep leading and not just... Having it all come out of you, whether you're preaching or leading a staff meeting or whatever, like how, how do you navigate those times where it's like, man, I'm going through it, but I have to be this yeah this general at in this time, mm-hmm. like
1: uh, some trials are short enough, like my wife's, where I wasn't there.
0: Yeah, you got to like right. step aside from it, and right.
1: some of them, the ones that are a little too long, you either uh, deal with it. Uh, I'm very open about my pain, so I don't. Uh, at least I don't think. I. I'm very open about my pain, so I talk about it. I say, "Hey, look, y'all." Um, like from the pulpit. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, like my wife. Everybody knows about my wife's story. It was on. I was in the news. I was on social media. Pray for my
0: wife, yeah, I gonna kill you if you don't pray for my wife. He's in the news, yeah, <laughs> because he's. Oh, I am the pastor. Don't. <laughs> bro, bro. Because Let me tell you <laughs> something.
1: The news stations out here were saying, Pastor Miles, wife is sick. We need to pray for her. I mean, they were doing news wow. stars on it. Yeah, I mean, because I'm in the news a lot anyway, and so, <laughs> so I, you know, we have a lot of good friends in the media, but they were, they were just.
0: So you're in the you're in the news typically in a good way.
1: Uh, typically, in a good way. Okay. That's, that's a two edged sword. Yeah, trust me, it's a two edged sword. Yeah. Um. Uh. So either you just deal with it and just go, and or I'll tell you, hey, look, y'all, I need to pray. Y'all need to pray for me. A lot of times, you can't say that all, all the time, right? So sometimes you just gotta, and most of the time you just gotta deal with it and go out there and and there have been many times on Sunday, it's been hard um, for whatever is going on. Uh, sometimes the church knows about it because it's in the news and sometimes they don't, you know, uh, and you know, we had a story recently where it was national news and I was getting accused of having a child's death on my hands. I had nothing to do with it. And and so, and that was national. I was getting calls from everywhere. Hey, what's happening with this person in the church? Yeah. And so you know you gotta go out there and say, hey, look, let me tell you. I just gotta tell you what happened. I'll tell you our position, blah 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 blah, and you just go do it. And you know those those are very hard. Uh, so I you know I don't I don't hold the position of trying to represent like everything's okay all the time. Okay, because it's not. So I don't. I'm not worried about, oh, they're going to see me stressed or oh, they're going to see me hurt. I'm not worried about that. As a matter of fact, I talk about, you know, if you, if people have heard my name or anything, know anything about me, they probably know I played football and did cocaine. Yeah. <laughs> those are like one, two. <laughs> so it's, he said it. He yeah. said it. Because that, that's the yeah, story. So I, love I, I want yeah. people to know that. I yeah. want people to know, Here, here's my journey. I, mean, I, mean, I was in drugs and did this, and I was messing around. My wife. Yes. Here's all the stuff that was messed up in my life. And then Jesus came. So-
0: yeah, but yeah, but, but that's the thing is like sometimes in the church, those are the stories that we're all like, yeah, because that was all in the world, Miles. And then your story says, well, he delivered you in a day. Yeah, he did. It's, as I understand it, right? Cocaine yeah. was gone in a day, yeah. and then that's the that's the that's the movie line, you know, the storyline that everybody loves because it's like, oh yeah, he met God, and it all and it's all good. What's harder in the church to deal with is. People in general, Christians in general, but a, or Christian leaders specifically, but but what happens when you're still going through stuff after yeah. you meet Jesus? Yeah.
1: So, <laughs> yeah. so my wife and I, my my daughter and I, who uh, I was telling you about, we went on the news and did a whole interview about her suicide. Really? Yeah. So she told the whole story right on Fox local Fox News here. Uh, so I don't what I'm called to do me. Yeah, I'm from New York okay one thing you know about we're from New York is we we just were real right you know, the, I'm not saying there aren't phony people in New York but we pride ourselves on being real almost too real right
0: yeah. Blu- some would say blunt and, rude. Blunt, <laughs> blunt, and rude, right? blunt and rude
1: but if you're from there and you
0: that's yeah
1: and you meet New York people you're like oh that you know that's just authentic yeah. you know that they're rude people but once you you could walk into a, a little New York tangent you could walk into a deli you know a deli? Is. Yeah. Okay. And people a lot of times that's the East Coast thing, delicatessen, which is a.
0: Uh, no, I was. I don't even know. I was that. in New York a few. uh okay. I went to a deli at midnight when I landed exactly. and got a big yeah. old sandwich exactly. like this. Isn't that the- <laughs> and it was like it was like a convenience store, and then there's like this deli. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Like so anyway. And, and, and,
1: in and, Brooklyn, I don't even know if I could If there are delis out, I guess there are, but it's just different. It's, it's different. You it's you walk everyone's neighborhood and you walk into a deli. You go, what do you want? If you're from the East West Coast, you're like, "Why is he yelling at me?"
0: That's exactly he's, what I felt. <laughs> he's not
1: yelling at you. He was asking you, "What do you want?" <laughs> so if you said to him, "What do you got?" He's like, "Hey, we got this. We got this. We got this. We got this." And he, he's It sounds rude, but it's not. That <laughs> that dude, that dude will probably give a shirt off his back to you. Uh... And, and and it's it's a different culture. So I, I grew up in that, right?
0: So I came out here. Someone, Californians uh, are a different kind of room. It's more of a
1: nice thing. So while I was out here, I, uh, when I first started in ministry, this lady, we both kind of got saved at the same time and she was training to be a counselor, I was training to be a pastor. And she says to me, um, from her counseling perspective, do you have any idea how people perceive you? And I was like, I'm from New York, I don't care. That was my answer. <laughs> now, <laughs> now
0: She's expecting you to say yes, and she's gonna be like, "No, you don't." Or no, say, see, or or no, oh, or
1: oh, what? Oh, what well, you know? Yeah, What's yeah. well, What you know? Is this something wrong? Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I didn't. I, but you didn't it do went do right on my did head. Did <laughs> <better>. <laughs> went right on my head. Now obviously now I see why that's a bad answer. But at the time, I literally said it to her. I said, "I'm from New York. Why? What? Why would I care?" Now, <laughs> did I care about what people <laughs> thought? Yes. Do I have insecurities like everybody else? Yes. But that was my answer. Term. Yeah. Um. So I say all that to say that God saved me. That's that's the gospel. So right. I can't if I leave that out, then I got the wrong. I'm preaching the wrong gospel to me. So for me to say the bad stuff is like no, that's that's part of the gospel. Mm-hmm. So if I don't tell you that part, if I'm not honest about that part, I'm not being a true evangelist. Mm-hmm. So that's just like, and I didn't learn anything different than that. So I don't, I I don't have any context where. That's not the only way to do it. That's the only way to do. it. So for me to say, hey, I got this problem or I get this problem is not a big deal in my and my church would I think they would say that.
0: Wow, okay. So you you that's just the way that you lead like you're not you're not you don't feel this like pressure to put on the strong face for the sake of your team. It's okay. just like, hey, if I'm going through it, I'm gonna let y'all know we're gonna battle this together. like you're gonna pray with me and I'll pray with you and we're gonna move forward. Yeah, to a certain degree. I mean,
1: sometimes you just got to put, it, you know, you don't yeah. want to keep burdening your people and yeah. stuff because, you know, I, I was at, um, I was in a meeting. Oh, yeah, we, we were at a leadership meeting like a month ago, and I was saying, hey, um, God just didn't, this, this just happened, this just happened um, a month ago. I said, hey, I just want to say something. God just blessed us with something that, I can never tell you, and I'm taking to my grave. But let's just praise God for it. Mm-hmm. Wow! And I never told him, but I, but, and it's something I'm gonna take to my grave.
0: And that was a good thing, a blessing. It was a miracle.
1: It was a miracle, and it was it was a miracle to the point of, uh, yeah,
0: yeah. Wow, that's that's incredible. So there's a a good thing that you're never gonna tell a soul about, and then like you referenced earlier a lot of stuff it sounds like you're pretty transparent about things that are going on when you can be but there's also countless times where it's just not appropriate for us to share any of the details and so you have to you have you you're compelled to stay quiet about some of that stuff not because you're trying to hide anything but because it's not appropriate to share and so it would be illegal yeah sometimes when it's illegal yep yeah, we've been there too so earlier you said sometimes you just have to you know, go out and do the thing. And and I don't know if you use the term compartmentalize or what you use or just just do it. So can you think of any practical steps for anybody listening that's struggling and they're struggling to still do what they're called to do because of a pain or an issue that they're having? Is there anything like tools that you've learned to embrace that can help somebody like still do what they need to do in the midst of, something that they're they're either able to talk about or sometimes it's harder you can't talk about it and so people don't un- even understand what you're going right. through
1: one you have to decide is God called you to do it mm-hmm. if God calls you to do it forgive me I'm from New York but just shut up and keep going
0: <laughs> right
1: I mean it's if God calls you to do it he's using that to equip you to do it better right period thank him for it right And learn from it. If you don't learn from it, you're going to go through it again. (laughs) So if God called you to do it, like God called me to marry my wife, right? And called us together. Right. Well, I'm not going to leave it just because something, you know, she gives me tuna casserole with no tuna. Right. (laughs) Which she did one day. She said, I got some good news and bad news. We made tuna (laughs) casserole, but I forgot the tuna. I said, I got a bowl of noodles. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, you, if God calls together, God calls together, Right, period.
0: Yeah, so in marriage, it's like we don't use the D word because it's not even, we're not going to talk about it. No. Right? Because this is a God thing. No. And, right. and if you cheer me, the D word is death. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> I'm not going to kill my wife. <laughs> I'll kill the
0: dude.
1: <laughs> <laughs> now, like, I'm, I'm like, Miles <laughs> McPherson, I serve
0: people. <laughs> hey, listen, listen, listen,
1: listen, that was a hard day. That was mm. a hard day. I, and I told the church that. Yeah. If I remember they were cracking, up. I was like, look, no, they might have not been cracking because I was crying, <laughs> probably saying it, but it was, I was like, it, this was, when I was talking to that doctor and my wife was getting, I was like, this is it. Yeah. This is it. This is, I don't, you know, I don't, I don't pull that card. Hey, I'm this. I'm
0: yeah. That, yeah. Man. Yeah. And, and, There's some high moments that high emotional moments in our life when things just fall away. This, and is like, this look, stuff happens. This is, this is the time. <laughs> this is,
1: this is, what, what can I do right? You know, I got to pull everything I got right here. Yeah, yeah.
0: Okay, so so your steps are, number one, go to the very foundation. Am I doing what God's called me to do? And if I am?
1: Yeah. Am, am, I, go. am I in a place?
0: Yeah. You know, it's like, what else? It's, it's
1: like my brother was a professional boxer, and he boxed in Times Square Boxing Club, which is right in Times Square New York, and guys would come in there and work out. They look in the mirror, they jump rope, they look all good, they sweat, sweat, and they got six pack and all stuff, but they get in the ring and they get punched in the face. Never seen them again. They weren't called. <laughs> <laughs> it's, the raw, it's the raw, you know, they, they were called something else. Fine. Yeah. Because if you're not called, because I tell people, and, I, and we, you know, we have pastors that go start a church, I said, here's what's gonna happen. Yeah. Mike Tyson is gonna hit you in the face. He's gonna hit you in the stomach. And you're gonna want to quit. Mm-hmm. Just know it. Yeah. So just know it, and you keep going. That'll, that'll be a test, and it'll happen every month. Yeah, there every month. <laughs> so, but it's some
0: form of fasting. What well, you have to look forward to. It.
1: Wow. Um, So that, and then, and then, um, surround yourself with people who can encourage you, mm-hmm. that you can be honest with, and that you can be honest with. You know, when my mom was dying, uh, Bishop Jake's. We had just started developing a relationship. And he said to me, anytime you want to call me to cry, talk, laugh, curse, whatever you want, just call me. I'll I'll be there for you. About five times I called him. And within five minutes or so, he was on the phone for an hour. Wow. Giving me everything you see him preach for an hour on the TV, he was giving that to me. And he said, whatever you want to say, it's right, it stays right here. Wow. That's one of his callings is to minister to people. And, and people don't know that about him. I like to brag about that about him. Wow. It's like a, he was on a plane once. He was, I mean, if, I don't have an hour. I didn't have an hour. Right. It was my mom. But he was there. And he's like, he would have stayed on for two hours. Wow. And so you've got to have people in your life. And that's a big He has a lot going on. He has ten times more going on in his life than mine. But you gotta have people in your life who will do that, will be there for you, and you're not, you don't feel
0: alone. Can Um, I ask you a question about that? Yeah. So Bishop Jakes is is obviously, and he's from afar. Do you have you found as you're a lead pastor of a big church? Do you have guys like that that are? Running the same race as you in other places that, that, which is healthy to have because they're not, they're going to give us advice without all the context, you know, unbiased. But do you, have you also found that there's a local community, whether it's elders or friends or people that you're able to have run with you and know you in a, in a way here locally? Yeah. Do you have both that you kind of lean on? Yeah.
1: Different, whether it be pastors or family or Obviously, my wife, but my sister was real co- is real close to me. She mm-hmm. just recently moved, but she's up here for 20 years. Um, yes, H- other pastors at different levels yeah. of intimacy. Yeah. Yes, yeah. Cool. yeah,
0: lean on people. Community is huge. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, anything else you want to share about about that before I ask you my last question of the? No, I'm good. I'm good. Okay. Well, thank you for sharing. Yeah. It sounds like you are uh, you lead from a place of transparency, and that's that's really a beautiful thing and especially in this generation so I know that I know uh, being a lead pastor that there's uh, a thousand stories of pain and struggle and problems (laughs) that you could tell us but uh so my my last question conversations in contrast is one is you know what's something hard or some things difficult things you've been through and then the second is I just want to end by talking about something awesome so I know that you obviously are a humble person you you come up very humble uh, but is there something that maybe you wouldn't normally stand up on the pulpit and preach about because it would naturally sound like bragging but is there something that like you employ in your life either with your, your relationship with god or maybe some with your wife or with your staff or something that you just do i don't know like Something that if somebody found out, man, that's really healthy. That's really selfless. That's really just amazing. And could I ask you to hit the pause button on being humble for a minute, and just because I'm asking you? You're not bringing this up. I'm asking. Is there something that, like, not so people will glorify you, but somebody say, "Man, maybe I should do that too." Uh, that would be healthy in my life. Yeah. First, let me tell you, I'm not a
1: humble person. Um, uh, I I'm a people person, and I I'm. I, I like people, but I, you know, I'm a flawed individual. Yeah. So I appreciate you saying that, though. Um. You know, I, I don't. I w- <laughs> What do I do? <laughs> I
0: don't
1: know. I, you know, I, I told you I was gonna. I was gonna know the answer by the time you asked me. Mm-hmm. I think I would
0: say. What if I ask you like this? What's the healthiest aspect of your life? The
1: healthiest aspect of my life? Probably, well, and that might not be the answer you want. It's probably my food. My wife feeds me good. (laughs) I I, I, I think probably one thing, I love people, right? And I, I, when I'm traveling, airport, plane, I like to meet new people and be a blessing to them. You know, just, they don't know who I am. You know, mom pushing a baby. uh, How can I help the mom or someone sitting next to me on the plane, the stewardess? And I like to um, make people smile, make people happy or, you know, laugh or um, be encouraged. And so... I like interacting with regular people mm. about what they're going through, because I feel like, listen, I I feel like people have a lot of people have little problems that seem like mountains, uh-huh. and I didn't seen mountains blown up in my life. So I feel like I got this big bazooka, and they have these little fleas. To them, it's a it's a big gigantic thing, mm-hmm. but. To God, it's like, man, if they could just pray and ask God to do this, and yeah. God could change their life right now, and and I love walking into those situations one on one, in the airport, in the plane, uh, in the store. Even if I got three minutes, tell me, you know, so tell me enough that I can be a blessing to you right now. Hmm. And I think that I was at the airport the other day, and this African American dude was standing out waiting. We were both waiting for something. And I just started talking to him. And he was telling me uh, about his life and, you know, he's got in a car accident and he's running from God and none of that. I said, hey, let me pray for you, man. Let me pray for you right now. And, you know, you talk to people and they say, well, I don't believe in God. Yeah, I believe in God. I used to go to church and they yeah. finally wiggle them way yeah. to where <laughs> they they ask Christ to be their Savior a while back or they want to. Yeah, And then it, it just helps them get to a point where they go, you know, what? I think I need to. I think I need to start going to church again. Yeah. I need to start praying again. Yeah. I like doing that. And so when I'm out, I'm looking for people to talk to. That's awesome. My wife is the opposite. She's looking for people to avoid because she's <laughs> <an> introvert.
0: I'm <laughs> looking at my <laughs> wife off camera.
1: Your wife's not an introvert. Your, your wife is, I don't care what she says, I walked in here and she was like, hey.
0: Well, OK, so let me tell you something about my wife who is off camera over here. She. This is what we've decided, I've decided she's an extroverted introvert when she's with people she knows how to be extroverted but to refill and recharge she needs to not people for certain season yeah 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 but you're talking about a different is like my wife's not is not not people all the time time. (laughs) okay okay i can appreciate that well you know what that's beautiful thing because especially when we start getting busier and when people um Start, if I could say it like this, get bigger in ministry. You're running a big church. So the tendency sometimes is things get bigger. Services, big conferences, big services, big gathering, big this, big that. And so I love that, that you still have the heart for the one. And it's not based on, oh, I'm Pastor Miles. It's just some no person that doesn't know you. You're just a nobody to them, but you're still going to have the conversation. You're still going to pursue the prayer because this is a heart of love for the person. That's awesome. Now, even take one step further. My, my,
1: you know, we all have, well, I say we all have. You know, when someone says you love your kids the same, no, you don't. You may love them at a 10, but you express that love differently, mm-hmm. right? Depending on. My favorite group are teenage athletes. So when I see kids in the airport or anywhere, I'm like, okay, I got to go talk to them. Hmm. And, and, and I don't need to, I got to get them right. I just want to talk to them. What's going on? Tell me what's going on, you know, and and tell me what are you struggling with? And kids talk to me. People talk to me, you know. But that is my favorite. So it's and they're not impressed by, you know, especially not my pastor. But I I even though I do have a big church and all that stuff, I like kids and just talking to people. That's cool. You know, um about whatever. That's my that's awesome I don't know if that's a secret but
0: well thank you for sharing that that's beautiful I wonder if I could ask you to do one last thing just say a prayer yeah uh, over anybody that's listening and any direction that you feel led maybe to do with pain that you've been through that they might be going through and then before we do that is there what will what be the way for somebody to find you whether like you personally online or your church if, if they're in this region how can they look that up
1: they can go to at miles McPherson And that's my handle, and they can get all the information. Instagram. Yeah, Instagram, all the stuff. And and also, I I wrote a book called The Third Option, Hope Mm -hmm. for a Racially Divided Nation. And, um, you know, this nation is so divided, and we um, now, the third option is that we honor what we have in common. So it starts with the fact that we're all more similar than different, Mm -hmm. and diversity is actually a variation of our similarity. So, I, I would challenge people to go get that book. and uh, But they can follow me at McPherson and, and the one.
0: And you guys are all, I think you have, five, five, we or have six. five
1: campuses here in San Diego and one in Oahu.
0: One in Oahu. Okay. Yeah. So, if you're anywhere in the San Diego region, what is it? The Rock? It's the Rock San Diego. Yeah, the Rock the, San Diego. S- uh, SDRock.com. SDRock.com. So, find them there. SDRock.com. Just mm-hmm. all milesmcpherson. If Fierce. you're looking Just for see. a church. Yeah,
1: looking for a church. Let's go. Let's oh. go. Come on. We'll go. We'll go talk. I tell people, look, if you come if you come in here to get to hear what you want to hear, that's probably not going to happen. Huh. But if you want to hear what God, what we believe anyway, God's going to say, we we go at it. But people love that. It is let's talk about. It. We, t- We're gonna we just finished a series called "Let's Talk." We need to talk, so we talked about all kinds of stuff going on in the Th- world. Today.
0: This the real issue, son. Huh? Oh yeah, oh yeah. That's awesome, okay. cool. Well, would you say a prayer?
1: Yeah, Lord, thank you so much for uh, the fact that all things work together for mm-hmm. good for those who. Are, a call to your purpose and uh, who love you and a call to according to your purpose and thank you for uh, how much you turn um, what the devil means for evil into good um, and I pray that what was said today would encourage people I pray that people who think they're being crushed and that uh, the weight of that burden is too much I pray that they would understand that there's no weight too big for you That mm-hmm. they cast that burden on you for, or you care for them And that uh, your burden is light and so i pray that they let it go i pray they open their hand and let you take that burden out of their hands um, and that they would remember that you've called them to something very specific and that you would um, encourage them and give them clarity about why you have called them what you have called them to and let them see past the pain and let them see the lesson in the pain Mm -hmm. In Jesus' name,
0: amen. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Miles. And God bless you all.